Well, hey church, and welcome back to our current message series, Social Distanced, whenever and wherever you are watching from. Let me give you a little bit of a refresh and recap before we dive into the meat of this week's teaching. Now, 12 months or so ago, these two words would look completely foreign together, social distanced. But in the last year, these words have become our everyday reality in a coronavirus world. And the big thought last week was that we are affected by our environment. And of course, this has been true physically in the coronavirus world. But I pose the position that this is absolutely true and significant spiritually as well. And now Boris Johnson, our prime minister, has given this roadmap out of a coronavirus world into some sense of normalcy. I pose the position again that perhaps there are some things in our lives, in our spirits, that we need to keep socially distanced for our own good. And to illustrate this, I went to Jonah chapter one. And instead of reading the whole chapter again, let me just give you the highlights. Jonah was a man called by God, what we would call a prophet. And he was tasked to go to the great city of Nineveh and preach against it. Now, of course, Jonah was terrified at the prospect of going somewhere to preach against it. So what he did is he packed a bag and he ran in the opposite direction. He ran as far as he possibly could, in fact, to a place called Tarshish, which to the ancient Near Eastern mind was literally seen as the ends of the earth. So he went down to a port in a place called Joppa. He found a ship, he paid the fare, he boarded it. And of course, God... Being God, calling this man and seeing him run away, he stopped him in his tracks. He sent a great storm on the sea and the ship began to break up. Now, this illustrates perfectly that we are affected by our environment. Because of Jonah's presence on that ship, the captain, the crew, the cargo and the ship began to find itself in the midst of a huge storm, literally that nearly cost them their lives. The takeaway thought I asked you to consider last week was this. Who is on your ship and are they shipworthy? And I'm not talking about a thing with sails and masts and cabins and sunbeds. I'm talking about friendships, relationships, maybe you're under mentorship, discipleship, a business partnership. But I'm asking you to evaluate the ships in your life and asking you who are on them, who is on them, what is on them, and are they benefiting your life and your purpose called by God? So let's dive into what I want to talk about today. And to do that, I'm going to go back to Jonah 1. So I'll give you just a second to turn there if you've got a Bible or a device with you. And I want to begin by looking at these two verses from verse 3 to verse 5 and pull out some truths for us here that I believe are really poignant for our lives as Jesus followers. Verse 3. But Jonah ran away from the Lord and headed for Tarshish. He went down to Joppa where he found a ship bound for that port. And after paying the fare, he went aboard. Remember, we taught last week that when you live for the moment, getting gratification in the moment, oftentimes it requires moments of atonement. And then Jonah sailed for Tarshish to flee from the Lord. Verse 4. Then the Lord sent a great wind on the sea and such a violent storm arose that the ship threatened to break up. Mortal peril. All the sailors were afraid and each cried out to his own God. And pay really close attention to this and underline it. And they threw the cargo into the sea to lighten the ship. But Jonah had gone below deck where he lay down and fell into a deep sleep. 
So why is this important? Why do we need to pay attention to the cargo? Well, of course, the captain and the crew, this was their job. They didn't just sail around for pleasure. They went to ports, they stocked up, and they went across to different ports to sell their fares. To use a Christianese word, this was their purpose and their calling. This is what they did for a living to provide for themselves and their family. Now, the captain had a couple of priorities being the captain. He had responsibilities for his ship, of course, his crew. Secondly, the well-being and the safety of his ship. And thirdly, his cargo. You see, the cargo wouldn't have been taken aboard lightly. It would have been meticulously jotted down its weight, its size, the space it was going to take. Even today in the 21st century, big tankers, ships on the ocean, uh, going across the seas to, to trade, everything is perfectly and meticulously documented. So it is really fascinating to me that when the captain and the crew hit the storm, bear in mind that Jonah is still fast asleep below deck, the very first thing to suffer was the things that were supposed to be on board. It's cargo. Now, as I said, I'm using a Christian word, calling and purpose. As Jesus followers, let's use this metaphor in our own life and our own ships, our relationships, our friendships. I believe God has given each and every one of us cargo on our ships. By that I mean to do our journeys well. We have cargo of things like scripture, of prayer, of the spiritual disciplines. Of course, we have unique cargo as well. If you look at scripture, 1 Corinthians 12, 7 tells us that each and every one of us has been given a certain gift to serve each other. Romans 12, 6 says exactly the same thing, that each of us has been given a gift. Again, 1 Peter 4, 10, same theme. Every single one of us has been given a gift by God to do certain things well. This is our cargo. I believe God has purposed us with things in in our life, of course, communally, like scripture, uh, like prayer, like devotion, but also really uniquely gifts and callings to do our job and our purpose well. And I have found in my own life and looking around at people I do life with, when Jonah's come aboard, the very first thing to suffer are the things that God has purposed in your life to do your calling well. You see, when a Jonah is on board, whether that be a relationship, a friendship, an addiction or a thought pattern, the very first thing that I have viewed to go overboard are times with the Lord. It's thrown. Maybe sometimes there's an unhealthy relationship developed. Well, the marriage then is affected. Maybe you have got addicted to Netflix and Netflix is your Jonah. So time in prayer has been thrown overboard. But it's fascinating that the very first thing that goes overboard is the things that God has put in our lives to do certain things well. So I want to tell you, church, as we are doing our journeys, as we are walking this life of faith, we need to look after our cargo. We need to take time to really take stock and make sure everything God has put in our life is protected and not thrown overboard. You see, church, we need to be protecting our purpose and not our problems. 
What do I mean by that? Well, look at this. Let's go back to Jonah 1, verses 11 to 13. The sea was getting rougher and rougher. So they asked Jonah, what should we do to you to make the sea calm down for us? This, of course, is after that Jonah had said himself, actually, guys, the reason you are facing this problem, the reason you have lost all your stock and your cargo, the reason the ship is breaking up is because of my presence. So he said, verse 12, all you need to do is pick me up and throw me into the sea and it will become calm. I know that it is my fault that this great storm has come upon you. Now, fascinatingly, look at this, verse 13. Instead, the men did their best to row back to land, but they could not, for the sea grew even wilder than before. Now, church, these verses just baffle me because here's the situation. You have Jonah stood in front of the captain and the crew, sopping wet, probably puppy dog eyes, saying, guys, look, Let me be honest with you here. I know why you're in this storm. I know why your cargo has had to go overboard. I know why your ship is breaking up. I know why you are fearing for your lives. It is because of me. I'm running in disobedience from God. This is God sending his punishment on me to try and get me back on track in my calling and purpose. And because of that, it is affecting and it is destroying your calling and purpose. Well, of course, any sane person would say, well, what do we do? Do we throw you overboard? Okay, let's grab him. Guys, you get his arms, you get his legs, let's give him a chuck. But that's not what happens, is it? Verse 13, instead, that word is baffling to me, the men did their best to row back to land, but they could not, for the sea grew even wilder than before. Why didn't they throw him overboard? Well, I want to suggest, church, that there's a really easy reason. And if we look at our own life, and maybe even if we can spot some of our own journeys, both past and present, we can come to the same conclusion that the sailors did. Confrontation is never easy. And confrontation, I'm not just talking about the big explosive sort of confrontation. I'm talking about a moment where you have to make a difficult decision here a confrontational decision. Because actually, if we're looking at Jonah's that are sinful patterns, addictions, thought processes in our life, it can be hard to let go of a Jonah and confront a Jonah because actually we like it. As I said last week, sin often feels good, looks good, tastes good. I can imagine the sailors looking at Jonah with his puppy dog eyes, sopping wet, looking at his feet, feeling sorry for him. Maybe even some of them taking preacher's liberty here a little bit got on with Jonah. Maybe they thought of him as a friend. And actually, they didn't want to throw Jonah overboard. They didn't want that confrontation with someone they'd walked with for a number of days or weeks or months. And I think it's important to say here, church, maybe we have made a mistake or maybe we have harbored a Jonah for so long. And because we have spent so long on that thing or that relationship, that partnership, we don't want to throw it overboard now because we've spent a long time making a mistake. Just because you've spent a long time making a mistake doesn't mean you should still keep making it. You see, every second that Jonah was on board that ship, more of the cargo was going overboard, more of their purpose was being hindered, more of their calling was being affected. Moments of hesitation cause deterioration. I'll say that again. Moments of hesitation will cause deterioration when it comes to a Jonah. Deterioration on the cargo, on your calling and on your purpose. You cannot avoid confrontation any longer when you know a Jonah is on a ship in your life. You see, avoiding confrontation will land you always in a worse situation. In releasing a Jonah now, you make way to get what is most important later. 
You may have seen an experiment before where little children are given a marshmallow, they're left with a camera, and an adult says to them, guys, listen, if you don't eat that marshmallow when I go out of the room, I will bring you back three marshmallows later. And if you go on YouTube and you watch these clips, I've done it with my children quite cruelly, actually, but it's fascinating to see the struggle that these children go with looking at the marshmallow. They touch it, they sniff it, some of them even lick it, some of them even eat it. It's called delayed gratification. If you can stop and get rid of the thing in the moment, the temptation, the thing that is calling you wayward for the moment, if you get rid of that roadblock, delayed gratification will get to you what is most important later. You see, we need to not hesitate when we have identified a Jonah in our life. As soon as it becomes apparent what the issue is, you cannot keep it aboard. Don't shy away from confrontation. I know there's so many instances in my life where I have wanted to be nice or of what I have wanted to placate something. I haven't confronted it and it has caused me so much more trouble down the line. It's exactly the same with Jonah's. Whatever your Jonah is called, whatever your Jonah's look like. But more importantly, the longer you keep a Jonah aboard, I want to say you no longer are just a captain then, you begin to become a Jonah yourself. Let me say that again. When Jonahs are left for so long, you become a Jonah yourself. By that, I mean you become disobedient. You're not now acting in ignorance You are acting in disobedience. I believe that we serve a very, very gracious God. He will always forgive us, no matter what the situations, whether it's ignorance or disobedience. But he will not let us walk in disobedience for long. He will let us walk in ignorance when we are not aware. Of course, we see the captain and the crew running around the ship trying to figure out what to do to get out of this storm. But there was a moment of clarity when it was right in front of their face. They knew what was causing the hindrance in their purpose and calling, and they left it alone. And it was only when it got so bad, it was thrown overboard and Jonah went overboard. But the captain became a Jonah himself the longer he kept Jonah on board when he knew he was the problem. Church, Do not walk in disobedience to the call that God has put on your life. Maybe as you're even listening to this message, you've got a notepad or a phone or a tablet around, and maybe you've written down something that God is pointing to in your life. Maybe something has come to the fore of your mind as you're listening to this, and you think, goodness me, I can see now with clarity that this thing is not God-ordained and God-destined for my life. It has been affecting my ships. It has been affecting the cargo that God has called me to take on. I need to sever ties with it. Ignorance, when it becomes apparent what it is, then will turn into disobedience. And what happens is one verse I left out of Jonah chapter 1 last week. It is, of course, verse 17. And if you were brought up in Sunday school, you'll be very familiar with this verse. You probably had it on a felt board uh, as a little boy or girl. Look at this, verse 17 of Jonah 1. Jonah is thrown overboard, the seas become calm, and the sailors, the captain, albeit on a battered ship, make their way forward in their purpose and calling. But Jonah is left in the middle of the ocean. Verse 17, And now the Lord provided a huge fish to swallow Jonah, and Jonah was in the belly of the fish three days and three nights. Can you imagine the turmoil and the stress that Jonah has gone through? Up till now, I've felt quite resentful against Jonah, but here I'm feeling sorry for him. 
For three days, he sat in the belly of a huge whale. And I imagine him sitting there in the ocean, doggy paddling, looking ahead and seeing this huge fish coming toward him and thinking, well, this is just the cherry on top. I wish I had listened to God. I wish I had just done what I was called to do. And now this is how it's going to end. And friends, let me be really honest with you. There has been moments in my life, and particularly one moment I can think of, maybe 12 years ago now, just before going into ministry, where I was a Jonah myself. I had been a captain. I had been an unwise captain. I had had things in my life that were sleeping below deck. I thought had dealt with. I thought were of no significance that came to the fore and led me in a storm. And the particular storm I'm talking about, I'm sure I'll share this story with you in coming months or years. Um, it just had me lose so much. It had me lose so many friendships, literally thousands in finance, the place where I was living, my place at university at the time, and nearly my future wife. It was a huge storm. I found myself doggy paddling in a metaphorical ocean and saw a huge beast come and swallow me up. And like Jonah, I was sat in the darkness and dankness for a number of days. And if you're familiar with the Ark of Scripture and the Ark of the Book of Jonah, you will know chapter 2, there's the lament of Jonah. It's Jonah sat inside this fish. And Jonah, in those moments, begins to reflect. And let me tell you, in times of darkness, in times of grief, in times when it feels like you've lost everything, sometimes, although it's dark around you, can be when you see with most clarity. And this is what happens to Jonah. And I believe Jonah, in that moment, he had this sense of two options. He knew that he could go out of the whale. I believe he knew that God was going to send him out and he had two options to make. He can go forward in his original purpose and calling that God had destined and ordained for his life. Or he could go back into the ocean, doggy paddle again, find another ship and repeat the process again. And like Jonah, I found myself, as I said, in this dark and dank place, just waiting for an opportunity to make a decision. Well, do I go forward, God, in the calling that I am certain you have put on my life, that I have royally messed up? Or do I just go back to what I knew before and run away from you? And let's put it like this. As Jonah is sat in the whale, he has a choice to make, a choice of which end to go out of, okay? He can go out of the mouth of the whale, or he could go out of the end of the whale, go out the front or the back. Now, either really is a pleasant proposition because both ways are involving some pretty disgusting fishy fluid. Okay, I'll, I'll leave it at that. He's sitting there and, and I believe he can feel the whale or the fish start to gag, okay, and start to heave. He has a choice to make. Am I going to go through the digestive system that way or am I going to go back out of the mouth that way? And this is how I picture it metaphorically. If I go out of the mouth, I'm going to land at the beach at Nineveh, which is what we see in Jonah 3. Or if I go out the back end of the whale, I can escape back into the ocean, find another ship and try and get to where I'm not supposed to go, namely Tarshish. What does he do? He goes out of the front of the whale. And I can imagine Jonah swimming up to the beach. And let's imagine the beach at, uh, by Nineveh. There's sunbathers there looking at this wreck of a man who has been sat inside a whale for three days, stinking, covered in stomach fluid and bile, dripping wet, walking up the beach. It wouldn't have been difficult to social distance from Jonah in that moment. He would have been absolutely repulsive. But I want to draw your attention uh, and fast forward a couple of thousand years later from Jonah and actually take you to Morecambe in 2013. Let me introduce you to Ken, this is this guy here, and Madge. 
And this was an absolutely fascinating story that hit the headlines in 2013. There was also a BBC Radio 4 interview about this same story in 2015. And one day, Ken and his dog Madge, isn't that just a fantastic name for a dog, are walking along Morecambe Beach. And Madge starts to play with this big rock that is washed up on shore. She starts sniffing it and licking it. And Ken runs over and he's fascinated by what it is and it absolutely stinks. So he pulls Madge away and he goes home. And when Ken gets home, he tells a news report that he just kept thinking about this smelly rock that Madge was licking and sniffing. And there was something about it that just made him go back and pick it up. So he went back to Morecone Beach, he picked up the big rock and he brought it home. Now, it turns out that that smelly rock was actually a lump of whale vomit. How random is that? It's a big lump of whale sick. Why on earth would you want that in your house? Well, whale sick is called ambergris. And let me tell you a little bit about ambergris. Here is a definition. Freshly produced whale vomit, or ambergris, has a marine, that's a fishy, fecal, I won't explain that word. You can ask your mum or dad if you're young and watching odour but as it ages it acquires a sweet and earthy scent it is look at this extremely rare and is used in the production of perfumes as a result it is extremely valuable and scientists refer to whale vomit as floating gold because of this now isn't that fascinating that fecal fishy big lump of rock as it ages the scent changes it's extremely rare it has a sweet and earthy scent and because of this it is used in perfume now you can see where i'm going with this jonah is stood on the beach covered in this marine fecal smelling whale vomit but it is the grace of god although we didn't realize it at the time he was covered in the perfume of God. He was walking out of disobedience back into obedience and God was covering with an extremely rare and extremely valuable scent. That big lump of rock, that big lump of whale sick, that stunk that Ken took back to his house was actually worth a hundred thousand pounds. Now he didn't realise that when Madge began to lick and sniff that disgusting smelly rock, He was in for an absolutely cash jackpot, £100,000. And Beagris is used in perfumes in Tommy Hilfiger, in Chanel No. 5. If you wear expensive perfume or aftershave, chances are Beagris is in it. Isn't that just a beautiful picture, folks, of what happens with Jonah? And here's the message I want to give you. If you have been a captain, a disobedient captain, you've walked into disobedience, you've seen a Jonah, you've kept it on board. If you can release it, if you can push it away, if you can walk back into obedience, maybe you've even been through the mill and everything has just gone wrong. If you can just go back to what God has called you to be. He has this amazing gift called grace. It is undeserved favour. He will cover you, although you don't feel it at the time, with preciousness. He will make you smell amazing to the calling and the purposes you were called for. Maybe there are some things, church, we need to social distance from today. We need to throw overboard to be protecting our cargo. And it doesn't matter how far you've gone, whether you're a bit battered or bruised, whether you've lost cargo, maybe even you've been a Jonah yourself, God still has a plan and a purpose for you. This is the amazing 
gift of grace. So we're going to move into our last worship song right now. And I'm going to be back in just a moment. I wonder, as this worship song is playing, as you're listening to it, as you're singing along to it, ask God if there is anything in your life that you need to social distance from. And maybe if there's some things that you need to confront and you need to have a conversation with, whether it be a person, a thing, a pattern or an addiction, maybe you can use this next few minutes during worship to release them to God and ask God maybe you become a disobedient journey yourself to pull you back on track to help you maybe you are in the belly of the whale right now when you just can't see a way out I want to tell you friends that God is for you God loves you and God has a plan and a purpose for you let's worship together